All right, well, first of all, I just want to thank those of you who made it to church this morning. Uh, People like to joke that the time between Christmas and New Year's is this strange limbo period where none of us knows what day it is, and the only thing we have energy to do is eat leftovers. So uh, I really appreciate you all being here. Just in case you have lost track of what day it is, uh, 2020 is now less than three days away, uh, which means now is a good time to reflect on time and how we're using the time that God has given us. I don't know about you, but personally, when I look at that number, 2020, it's a reminder of how quickly 20 years can go by. Uh, I remember, as I'm sure many of you do, probably most of you do, uh, when the thought of the year 2000 was like this long-awaited future. I remember the concerns about the Y2K computer bug, which fortunately didn't really amount to anything, but I do remember some Christians predicting it would be the start of the apocalypse. I remember when the radio could play Prince's Tonight We're Gonna Party Like It's 1999, unironically. I remember hanging chads. Remember hanging chads? Um, (laughs) Now, None of this feels to me like it was just yesterday. But 20 years ago, 20 years, to me it feels maybe more like 10, maybe 12 years, but 20. Wow. The year 2020 says to me, the long-awaited future is now the distant past. See how quickly that can happen. And of course, that's a sobering realization because it is a reminder of how fast life itself passes. Psalm 90, verse 12 says, Teach us to number our days aright, which means properly, correctly, uh, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Now, just to be clear, my purpose in reminding us of the brevity of life is not to depress us. Uh, I have no desire to do that. My purpose is to help us, like the psalmist says, to gain a heart of wisdom. The psalmist says that there's a link between our recognition of the brevity of life and being a wise person. Now, why is that? Why would that be? Well, I can think of several possible reasons. Uh, Keeping in mind the brevity of life can inspire us to live more intentionally, more purposefully, I mean, if we just think we have this endless number of days in this life, we can have more of a tendency to procrastinate on the things that really matter. I think that remembering the brevity of life can help us to be kinder to each other and to not hold on to grudges. I mean, think about it. You're a lot more likely to be patient and kind with someone if you hear that, you know, they're only expected to live another month, right? And also, it seems like everyone is more willing to ask for forgiveness or grant forgiveness when they realize that death is imminent. The reality of death makes us realize our desire for peace in our relationships and not to leave things uh, unresolved. I think it's a shame that we often wait until the last possible moment to make that peace. But if we're conscious and mindful of the brevity of life, if we number our days aright, then we're more likely to seek that peace now. And then we actually get to enjoy it and experience it before uh, either 
we or our loved ones have passed on. But I think the most important reason to remember the brevity of life, the most important reason why that can lead to wisdom, is because it helps us to remember God. Our mortality forces us to ask the big questions, like, is there anything after this? Is there a point to life? Am I going to be held accountable for my choices? And if so, is God going to be gracious to me? Now, when we don't contemplate our mortality, we see ourselves like gods, right? Like immortals. And if we see ourselves like gods, we don't usually think we have any reason to think about the true God. But when the reality of the brevity of life hits us, most of us, not all of us, but most of us can't help but feel humbled and inspired to seek God. Most of us can't help but realize that we have a need for salvation and for grace. So, my first advice when you think about 2020, moving into this new year, is let that remind you that life is passing. Let it remind you of the brevity of life. And if that makes you uncomfortable, let that discomfort lead you to God. Let it lead you to the Savior whose birth we just celebrated, the Savior who offers us victory over sin and death, the Savior who promises that in his Father's house are many rooms and that he's gone there to prepare a place for us. God wants us to find our refuge from the brevity of life in him and in his promises. And if we're already finding our refuge from the brevity of life in him, we need to let that awareness of life's brevity inspire us to focus on the things that really matter in the time that we have. And what is it that really matters? Well, a passage that I think can help us with that comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, This is a passage that just kept coming into my mind as I was thinking about the new year. It's the passage we're going to spend the most time in this morning, so if you do want to follow along in your own Bible, I encourage you to turn there. So, chapter 6, starting in verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So as we move into a new year and we're reminded of the brevity of life, the line here that Jesus says that I really want us to focus on is seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Every day we have choices to make about what we're going to focus our 
attention and our energy on. And the truth is there's practically an infinite number of things that we can give our thoughts and energy to, but we only have a finite amount of thoughts and energy to give, right? And what Jesus is saying here is the thing that you should attend to, first and foremost, is God's kingdom and his righteousness. And of course, Jesus gives some examples of things that we can make the mistake of giving most of our attention to instead of the kingdom of God. Things like food, drink, and clothing, which you could describe, you know, as the essentials of basic survival. In more modern terms, that could just be money, you know? Uh, Food, drink, clothing, heat, uh, all that kind of stuff, right? Um, Now, we do all need those things, right? No food and drink, you die. No clothes, can't go out in public. So those things are kind of important. But Jesus is saying, even so, don't worry about this stuff. These sorts of things shouldn't be where the bulk of your mental energy goes, Now, before I go any further, I want to talk about some of the ways that we might misunderstand this passage, because I think what Jesus is saying here is very important, it's really beautiful, um, but we do have to be careful, because there's some ways that we could apply what he says here that that are unhealthy. Um, I don't think Jesus is saying that we shouldn't take any responsibility for acquiring our basic needs, our food and drink and uh, clothing. If we are able to work, God wants us to recognize that ability as a gift from him and then use it uh, so that we are not a burden. We shouldn't just lie around lazily and expect that God is just going to rain down food and money from heaven on us without us doing anything. Uh, So we need to be careful about that. I also think, and I want to be very careful about how I put this, but I, I do think we need to be careful about assuming that Jesus is promising that Christians are never going to experience hunger or thirst or famine um, or even death from those things. You know, when you think about it, like the birds of the air, sometimes we experience hardship. Like the birds of the air, eventually we do pass away. Uh, And like the birds of the air, sometimes that is due to disease or hunger or thirst. That can happen. But with that said, I think it's important for us to recognize that tends to be the exception rather than the rule. I have heard so many stories over the years about people who have trusted God for the essentials when they had nothing else left to do and God provided. So many stories like that. I have a friend who grew up in a family with 10 kids, Christian family, and he said that there were multiple occasions when he was growing up where they would reach a point where the cupboard was bare, the money had run out, and then somehow bags of groceries would show up on their front steps, even though they hadn't told anyone the extent of their need. And uh, my friend said multiple times this happened to his family when, when he was growing up. A lot of people have stories like that. Maybe you have a story like that. But it's important, as we recognize and appreciate these stories of provision that demonstrate what Jesus is talking about here, we also need to remember that as Christians, we are not exempt from the hardships of the world. Uh, Jesus said that in this world, you will have trouble. 
That's a promise. But he also added, take heart, for I have overcome the world. Which means that regardless of what the world throws at us, even if it is, say, a famine, we're going to be okay. Because ultimately, the powers of sin, death, and evil have been conquered by Jesus. We will always have what we need because of that. Here's another thing we need to remember as we read this passage. We need to remember that one of the ways that God wants to meet needs for food and drink and the clothing in the world is through his church, through his people, right? Uh, Jesus teaches in Matthew 25 that one of the things, one of the fundamental things that separates his followers from the rest of the world is our care for those who are less fortunate, our care for those who don't have food, don't have water, don't have clothing. We're not supposed to just tell people who are in need, look at the birds of the air, God will take care of you. We're supposed to tell them that, but we're also supposed to do what we can to help remedy their need. So we should never assume that this passage gets us off the hook from being Jesus' hands and feet in the world and being active uh, to, to give people who are in need what they need. But with all that said, here is what Jesus' words here undoubtedly teach us. He's teaching us that the majority of our, ten- our attention should not be spent on worrying about the essentials for survival. That is not where the majority of our attention should go. It is possible to spend the entirety of our brief lives worried about getting what we need, food, shelter, heat, money, health. And Jesus is saying your life should not be defined by just this endless pursuit of these these things. He says the pagans chase after these things. In other words, people who don't know God orient their entire lives just around that kind of pursuit but your life should be defined by a different pursuit, the pursuit of God's kingdom and his righteousness. But what does that mean, to seek God's kingdom and his righteousness? Well, most of you are probably familiar with the Lord's Prayer, right? Jesus said, when you pray, this is how you should pray. And I think the Lord's Prayer gives us a clue what it means to seek his kingdom and his righteousness. Uh, Jesus said, We should pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So your kingdom come, your will be done. What I want us to notice there is Jesus is implying that wherever the will of God is being done, that is where the kingdom is. The kingdom is a a way of describing God's rule and reign. Okay, and when we submit to God's rule and reign, when we do his will, we are embodying the kingdom of God. So what does it mean to seek the kingdom of God? To seek the kingdom of God is to seek to do God's will. It's to seek to make earth more like heaven. Now, of course, the first step to seeking the kingdom is you've got to recognize who the king is. Right? The king is Jesus. The second step is Submitting to the king, becoming part of the kingdom, saying, I want Jesus to be my king, I'm going to submit and and be a part of his kingdom. And then the third part of seeking the kingdom is actually working to spread the kingdom in the world. Working to make earth more like heaven. So what does that mean practically? Well, practically it means getting to know God better. 
right? It means introducing people to Jesus. It means loving people like Jesus. It means caring for those who are less fortunate. It means showing people grace and forgiveness. It means discovering the unique talents that God has given us that we can use to help make earth a little bit more like heaven. It means doing what we can to promote peace in the world. And it means standing up for what's right, even if doing that is costly, right? Even if that puts our money or our safety in jeopardy. I mean, if our lives are oriented just around the pursuit of those things for survival, we're never going to do that, right? Often when we think about how to make the most of our brief lives, we really start thinking about how can I build my own kingdom? In other words, how can I gain wealth and success? How can I make a name for myself? How can I impress the world? But that shouldn't be our priority. Jesus would say, the pagans chase after those things. Our first priority should be, how can I play a part in building God's kingdom? Our own kingdoms don't last. You know, even if we're successful by the world's standards, our kingdoms eventually dissolve when we leave this earthly life. But God's kingdom is eternal. That's the only one that's forever. And so that's the kingdom that we should be focused on. Now's the time of year when we make New Year's resolutions, and I think that could be a healthy thing to do that. But with each resolution we make, we really should be asking ourselves, is this resolution for the purpose of building God's kingdom, or is it for the purpose of building my own kingdom? The best resolutions, the ones that are really worth keeping, are the ones that have to do with God's kingdom. I know a lot of resolutions have to do with eating healthier or exercising more. And, you know, if that's your resolution, I don't want to discourage you from that. But I do encourage you to ask yourself, if that's, you know, the line of thinking that you, you have, why? Right? Am I striving to eat healthier and exercise more so that I can honor God with my body and steward the body that he gave me well and be prepared to do whatever it is that God might call me to do for as long as possible? Or am I doing these things for, just for vanity's sake? Like the first set of reasons, that's for God's kingdom. The latter reason, that's for our own kingdom. God's kingdom is eternal, our kingdom is is fleeting. So we should make resolutions that have to do with building God's kingdom. Now, I want to be clear, that doesn't mean that all of our resolutions should look the same. There is an incredible amount of diversity to what it can look like to seek God's kingdom uh, in our lives. And uh, I think part of the joy of discovering our callings is figuring out the unique ways that God has made us and gifted us to seek the kingdom. Basically, if we do it with the right attitude, any time that we bring order where there is disorder, or joy where there is despair, or peace where there is discord, we are embodying the kingdom. We are seeking the kingdom. We are uh, making earth more like heaven. So don't worry. There's a lot of diversity here to what it looks like uh, to seek the kingdom. So, Before we decide on our resolutions for 2020, if that's something that you do, I really encourage you to ask, 
do these resolutions seek the kingdom of God, or they're just about building my kingdom? There's one other thing I want to emphasize as we move into this new year, uh, because I realize that some of us might be feeling regret right now. Uh, some of us might, might be thinking, yikes, life is brief. That's hitting me hard right now. And now that I think about it, I, I feel like I've spent a lot of my life wasting it on things that don't matter, things that don't have anything to do with building the kingdom of God. And I feel like I've wasted time and I feel regret. Maybe I even feel shame. And if that's the place where your mind is going, this is the scripture that I want you to f- focus on. This is uh, Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. His compassions are new every morning. Some translations say his mercies are new every morning. Now, what does that mean? It means that God has mercy for you, and that mercy doesn't wear out. Uh, It doesn't grow old and fall apart like everything else does. Every day when you wake up, it doesn't matter how old you are, God's mercy is there for you. It's not wearing thin. God's completely aware of how you've spent your life. He knows about any of the time that you've wasted up until this point. He's fully aware of any regrets that you have, but he doesn't give up on you. Every new day, every new year, his compassions and mercies are new. And regardless of what happened last year or yesterday, God is still inviting you to seek his kingdom today. God is still inviting you to draw near to him today. God is inviting you to make earth more like heaven today. And every day that you wake up, every day that you're still breathing, that invitation is going to be there. It's always going to be extended to you. In 2020, you have the opportunity to seek the kingdom. doesn't matter what's gone on before. So if you feel regret, don't stay stuck there. Don't let that regret lead you to a a feeling of condemnation. Let it propel you towards God's calling for your life. You know, the truth is that every day is filled with opportunities to seek the kingdom and make earth more like heaven. But we often fail to recognize and appreciate that. And yet there's something about a new year that awakens us to that reality. Right? A new year comes, and all of a sudden we realize, oh, hey, I can be intentional about making changes in my life. <laughs> Every day that's true, but the new year just reminds us of that. And yes, yes, you can be intentional about making changes in your life, especially if the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, my goodness. So with all that in mind, my encouragement to us this week is at some point to just take some time to sit down to pray, and work through these three questions. I encourage you to write them down. What can I do better to seek the kingdom in 2020? What am I worrying about or chasing after that I just need to trust God with? And what do I need to accept God's mercy for and just move on from? So I'm going to leave that up there. Um, for the reflection song.
And yeah, I just encourage you, take some time, think about it, maybe journal a little bit, spend some time in prayer. Now there is one final thing that I want to say. Uh, one way that we should all be seeking God's kingdom is, of course, by getting to know God better. And one of the ways that we do that is by reading the scriptures, right? Studying the Bible. And if some of you have been in church for a long time, I realize it might sound a little cliche to say this, but it is true. The start of the new year is a great time to start a Bible reading program. It, it really is. Um, if you follow a plan, you can read the Bible in about a year. You can do it. So hopefully on your way in, you received, along with your message notes, two pages which uh, outline a Bible reading plan. And I, if you're looking for a plan, I encourage you to use this one. This, from what I can tell, this is a really good one. Here's why I like this one. Um, it doesn't just have you reading straight from Genesis to Revelation. You might not know this, but not all of the Bible is in chronological order. Uh, so what, what this Bible reading program does is it breaks it down so that you're reading the Bible more chronologically. But at the same time, it recognizes that you probably don't want to spend two-thirds of the year just in the Old Testament. So you read through the Old Testament and the New Testament chronologically at the same time throughout the year. The other thing I like is it has you only reading five days a week. So you get two days off. Uh, which means when you fall behind, you have some wiggle room to catch up. <laughs> so if you're looking for a Bible reading program, I really encourage you to check that out. And if you didn't get one on your way in, um, let me know. I mean, there should still be some back there, but uh, if there isn't, I can, I can get one for you. I can email it to you. So God's mercy is still new in 2020. It hasn't worn out, and he is still inviting you to seek the kingdom. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for a new year and all of the possibilities that it holds. We thank you that as we enter into it, uh, your mercy is new. It hasn't been exhausted. Uh, your love for us is, is there. And um, Lord, we, we want to... Uh, we want to receive that love, and we want to seek your kingdom, Lord. We want to spend our time and our energy on things that really matter. And Lord, we know that in our lives we have our, our regular responsibilities. Um, we, we do have to spend some time on uh, getting food and shelter and all that, Lord. Um, but help us, Lord, not to give all of our, our time and, and energy to thinking about those things. Help us to recognize that if we seek your kingdom first, the rest will fall into place. We give you thanks, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.